Hi everyone and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with Najahi Events, the organisation that bring people like Tony Robbins to town. And today on the show, I've got a fantastic guest. Now he has taken me nearly a year to get into this studio, so I'm not going to let him go until I've got every question I want answered, <laughs> okay, and extract as much as I can out of him because it will probably take another year to get him again. But anyway, without further ado, cue the music, let's find out a bit more about MCON and uh, we'll catch up with you in a second. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking 12 months of being really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> what can I say, man? Guy. What can I say? You know, it's, it's, just a, it's just a life here in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Before I start and start going into questions about you, I want to know, first of all, if you like doing podcasts. Um, this is, I think, my second or third proper podcast. So uh, I think the first, the, the first serious one that I've done was with Esquire magazine. So you're number two. So, like, you know, I'm going up in some ways, right? Esquire and magazine. Do you, listen, well, do you listen to podcasts? I do listen to uh, podcasts, yeah. Mostly Gary Vee stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few other podcasts related to technology that I, that mm-hmm. I listen to. Um, yeah, so. And I, I, I actually have my, I started my own podcast as well at one point. Oh, did you? Yeah, but um, that fell flat because of time, essentially, so. Gary yeah. was a, a, an avid consumer of TechCrunch stuff for many, yeah. many years. So that's yeah. where I think he got a lot of the knowledge that he got. And we'll come on to that exactly. with you. But first of all, so that, that my audience really understands who you are, just give us a bit of a background on who you the are. I know, I know you're a blog and that kind of stuff, but because yeah. you're, you're a bit of a superstar online. So tell us more about yourself. Well, uh, so I, I create content. Um, a lot of people would refer to people like me as influencers. It's kind of a tarnished sort of... Uh, label if you like i'm more of a content creator so the majority of the content that i create is around technology uh and it's around lifestyle uh and i do that through reviews unboxings vlogs kind of educating and entertaining at the same time as a whole Uh, so that's my kind of main format i have a, a channel on youtube which is my main sort of bread and butter when it comes to what i'm doing online on social media and then instagram twitter those are the other two platforms and occasionally TikTok as well with what I'm experimenting with at the moment. So that's what my main thing is. I'm glad yeah. an influencer and a vlogger has just said TikTok because I'm banging, <laughs> on, I'm banging on about it. I know it's, 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 it's blowing it's up. Insane. It? I put up a I put up a video on the Samsung Galaxy Fold. I think it was I can't even remember who was in the background with the music that I chose. Maybe a Drake track or something like that. And I left it there and I recently looked at it. It's close to almost a million views. Shut the front yeah, door on TikTok. How long so, ago did you put it out? Um, probably about two weeks ago. Or oh, actually, wow. about yeah, about two weeks ago. That's and and it's insane. Like the engagement. I mean, it's, I, I set up an account about f- uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, close to about ten thousand followers already. And it's only and this is the weird stuff. There's no weird dancing. You know, kind of me showing myself off. You don't dance. I don't dance. Why? No, you? No, of course not. I just don't have the. You look like right. a dancer. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> But it, all it is is just technology and it's just showing off phones and, you know, occasionally watches. So I'm experimenting with the platform, but it's interesting because it's different from what everybody else is doing on the platform. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but TikTok is insane. Yeah, crazy. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Crazy. Okay, so um, you're on different social media channels. However, you seem to be kind of much bigger on YouTube than yeah. anything else. And so I want to know why YouTube? 
as opposed to the others and 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 how does that kind of how did you get to that 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 decision in the first place yeah so i've been experimenting with social media for a long time um way back we started off a family business uh, my father's a doctor and he he manufactures produces health products there were me and two younger brothers um and we had some money from the princess trust to set up a separate company and we were focused on natural health products so we were using dad's formulations the rest of it you know limited budget and i remember at that time i i told my dad look let's use social media and there were a few other shareholders in the business as well they were old school this was a time when youtube was associated with time wasting cat videos you know people sort of banging into walls and the rest of it so it was really hard to try and convince them that facebook youtube were going to work as a platform with that limited budget um so i i remember my dad saying to me that look um this isn't going to work you have to demonstrate yourself and then if there's some enough evidence we can start incorporating what you've learned there into the business essentially so i was like okay um so what i did was i set up my own youtube channel and i was into tech at the time and it was just simple unboxings i think the first video i started off with was a blackberry video it was how to get bbc iplayer on a blackberry and that was at the time when you needed to buy software um you needed to, to sort of put it in so that it depended on the on the screen size you know if you had a blackberry bold or a i can't remember it was a torch or whatever a touch or something like that um and i put this video up because it was a hack for an iphone that just automatically put the right dimensions in and um i put the video up on youtube and i think that was around christmas time left it went home I was studying in London so I went home came back and it had like 10,000 views a week later I got a call from Blackberry and they said to me look we want to give you a free phone can we use this video at, at some kind of developer conference I was like of course you know it's a free phone you yeah, know it's yeah. a Blackberry at that time it was like you know it cost them kidney and, and a that, half that to was, do that was the first first time anybody had ever time. said have yeah. a freebie like that and it and it and it just and well the thing that really shocked me was the 10,000 views I was like Oh my god. And it was all over. When you did that though, did you did you understand nothing. hashtags and nothing. No, nothing at all. No, nothing. I think the the thing that I understood really quickly was when I went into the analytics at that time trying to understand like where are the views coming from. I realized that majority of the views uh, came from crackberry.com. Do you remember Crackberry? Yeah. I mean that was a forum so somebody had seen that video on YouTube uh embedded that video on that forum and that's where all that audience came from. And I think at that point I realized oh my god it's about niche it's about sort of focusing on a target audience you know working with those subcultures that takes place there um so uh, you know that was where i initially started from then i started experimenting with branding because i wouldn't show my face uh i started noticing people would be like oh he's brown but he's got a british accent like is he indian is he this is he that show us your face it was that kind of thing um and then i experimented somebody said to me like play with it play with the idea so i i got a mask and i literally wore a mask spray painted it so i looked like some serial killer and it was crazy because again there was another lesson that i learned there which was it was around branding like personal branding i think the biggest mistake i made was taking that mask off because really? it was insane i mean with people associated you with the mask with a mask like who is this fool like he's he's is a talking in a british accent majority of the views were american so by default they would respect that accent and be like this guy sounds like a professional and secondly i wouldn't really act crazily in the video so it was like 
here's a guy wearing a mask talking in an incredible, you know, professional way about a phone. Like, what's going on here, you know? Um, so, it's, I mean, those were the initial experiments around A, the platform, and B, the branding. I had no idea before that I hadn't studied marketing or anything like that. It was just a game to kind of see if it would work so that it, hopefully we could, you know, put it into practice into the family business, essentially. Um, and then, you know, as time went on, I kind of started enjoying it. You know, I enjoyed the, comp- the, the attention. Um, more of the freebies were coming through. Suddenly it became Nokia. Then it was um, HCT. Uh, a few other brands got in contact. So one thing led to the other. So it was kind of like a, a weird experience. But with that, with that BlackBerry, though, you, the, there was essentially a, a hack you were trying to yeah. create. Did, did you think to yourself at that time, ah, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make videos about these little hacks. Or did you go very much into the regular type of stuff straight away? I think it was, uh, it was mostly around BlackBerry at the time because that was what I was into. And that subculture, I think at that time there was massive, as there is now between Android and iPhone, I think at that time it was BlackBerry versus Apple because they just launched their iPhone. This was so this was around 2007 2008. So for me I was hardcore Blackberry, you know, Crackberry like that's the what is this silly thing, you know, this yeah. iPhone sort of thing. So for me I kind of focused on that niche um and in that subculture and the rest of it. Later on I started experiment with experimenting with unboxings and you know the rest of it. But it was a really weird thing because you know I started off really expecting nothing and then being really surprised that you know the results that I was getting so quickly. Um, and I kind of kept it hidden from other people as well, like friends, you know, they'd, they'd come around and they'd be like, oh, what's all this camera stuff that you've got, you know? And like, oh, are you on YouTube? You know, that kind of thing. So I kind of like let them have bits and bobs of like what I was doing, but yeah, still keep it quite hidden and and, and secretive. Yeah. How, how many videos in were you before you stumbled across a, a video that you made that really people went, Bang. And there was a there was a you know a sharp acceleration in the number of either views or I think, subscribers. Um I think the first so f- I think it was consistently around sort of five to ten thousand views, which at that time was a big deal. Mm. Because I remember getting little badges, you know, like the most viewed guru. Like they used to have different categories, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was the most viewed in tech, most viewed tech guru, like top five, top ten sometimes. Um but the thing for me, what happened was I was in an event. It was a YouTube event. And I, I took my mask with me. And I was like, look, the points at which you're going to film, I need to put this on. And, and people were like, like, are you, like, you're joking? Are you serious? I was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. This is the brand that I built up. The last thing that I want is to expose myself like this. And I think it was at that point where someone pulled me aside. And they, and they were from YouTube. They said, look, you need to, this is cool. But like you're in a professional setting, so it might be a good idea now for you to kind of drop that mask, think about rebranding, you know, see if you can do this on a much different scale, you know. Um, And then at that point, I set up a new channel and, you know, I was coming out to the UAE. So kind of those two things mixed and it became what it is now, I suppose. Yeah. But you said earlier on that you regret taking the mask off. So they they encourage you to do it. You did it. <laughs> I did it. You regret it because I regret I regret it because I think like what because you look like loads of people in the UK. Well, I, yeah, or, <laughs> that or just happen to be brown. Ex- exactly. Or the or the thing is is you see on social media, and this is one of the things that I, you know, when I'm working with businesses and and people that run brands, one of the things about social media is that you really need to stand out. 
-hmm. It's really difficult in this day and age to stand out. And I'm actually quite surprised that to this day, nobody has within the tech community done something different like that when it comes to like wearing a mask. If you look at Alec Monopoly, for example, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a very famous artist, quite big on social media. He wears a mask everywhere he goes. It's one of those kind of like surgical masks, but it, it it's really interesting for the branding. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the most consistent things that I found is that number one on social media, a lot of brands fail because they forget that it's about being social. It's about being personable online. And the second thing for content creators is that you need to find a way to stand out. Because if you don't do that, you get sucked up mm -hmm. with the rest of the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, some people go to like really weird extreme lengths, um, which are questionable. I mean, it's up to them. Uh, I have kids now. I'm married. You know, I, I have a, a nine to five, which means that I can't do certain things, even if I'd want to, you know. So I have to sort of be careful about that. But still within the branding that I'm doing, within what I'm doing, I still need to be careful to make sure that I stand out from the rest of the crowd. How big is your audience now? So um, currently on, on YouTube at the moment, we've just passed 100,000 subscribers. I think it's like 1,002 or 1,300 subscribers. Um, it's about, I think, 32 million video views in total. Um, I actually have two YouTube channels. So I have a vlog channel mm -hmm. and a tech review channel. Mm -hmm. And over the last 12 months, I, I was trying to juggle both of them. And I was at around about 40,000, 40,000 for each. Just focusing on one, building that niche, particularly in this part of the world, mm -hmm. has allowed me to go from like 40,000 to 100,000 plus. So at the moment, my main channel is that. So, so that's as far as YouTube is concerned. Instagram is about 45,000 um, followers there. Twitter is about, I think, 25,000 over there. But the main sort of bulk of views and the main following, I suppose, is on YouTube. And like YouTube for me is a, is a platform that rewards on so many levels. Number one, you make money regardless of what you put up, really. So long as you meet a certain criteria, you put it up, you monetize your content on a platform, and you can be paid quite well for that, mm -hmm. you know. That doesn't happen on Instagram. It doesn't happen on Twitter. I see people breaking their backs um, trying to do that on these different platforms. And they are quite big on those platforms, but they're not making money from that content. So, uh, you know, in the past, I was quite critical of YouTube, you know, YouTube making changes to this, that, the algorithm. But it, I mean, it's still a platform that can pay me or you or anybody else money if you hit a certain criteria and you're able to monetize your channel, which is, you know... Now, with 100,000 followers, you've built up to that. If, if I was at 100,000 followers, I'd be saying to myself, how do I get to 200,000? Do you, do you have a clear plan or is it a work in progress all the time on that? Kind it's of a stuff? really, it's at the moment, you know, it's really weird because in a lot of the other areas of my life, I have, I, 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 I make plans left, right and center. Three months, six months, you know, a year, five years quite planned in other areas of my life. But with this, I've been really kind of like, let's just go with the flow. And I think a part of that is to do with the fact that I want to keep it as long as I can as a hobby. Um, because the, the growth that comes from the experiences, I think when you turn it into a full-time gig, for me, I mean, this is the way I'm thinking in my mind. When you turn something like this into a full-time gig before it's time, you can kill it. Uh, and particularly out here in the Middle East, you know, I mean, I have small family, I've got a young family to support. 
simple costs that would be okay in the UK, let's say, are slightly harder to maintain here. You can go through spurts. So, you know, the Q4 is incredible in terms of AdSense or, you know, collaborations with brands or whatever. But what about Q2 or Q3, for example? So at the moment, I, I'm just going with the flow and I'm actually enjoying it that way. Like it's a lot of people say to me, when are you leaving the nine to five? And I'm like, uh, just going with the flow. There's, there's an amazing amount for me, uh, experience and a learning that you can gain when you're not sort of pressurized with something that you're passionate about in the initial stage. Um, so th that, that's kind of my view on it at the moment. I'm sure at some point, I mean, I know it will come to a stage where I'm going to have to make a decision one way or the other. But right now, I'm kind of just going with the flow and I actually enjoy it, like just going with the flow. Okay, there's a couple of areas I want to really dive into here with you. Uh, I have been producing content now for about three and a bit years. Uh -huh. And uh, rather than trying to consider other people that we can give scenarios for, mm -hmm. let's, take, let's take my scenario because the other people can yeah. understand it. I produce content like crazy. Uh, people will say so every day there's content that, that comes out video content i have obviously the podcast that i have i produce um uh, written articles on linkedin as well as videos on linkedin and stuff like that mm. so i'm producing a lot of content okay i'm an opinionated person i don't care you, you know if people don't like me i don't have a problem with that so from a from a you know, a lot of people when it comes to social media worry about what other of people course, think yeah, which yeah. i don't care about that at all <laughs> i know that out of 100 people 30 will love me 30 will hate my guts and 40 people don't give a shit so yeah. it's kind of like and so you can't you can't be like that i mean you can't really think about what other people will assume or won't assume if you want to make it on social media i mean i've i've learned that as well hmm. i mean now i mean i i, I don't you know, I, I don't care really what people leave in terms of comments. If it's, you know, if it's constructive criticism, I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it will be like, who is this? You know, I mean, for example, the, the, the Rolex videos that I've, or the watch related videos that I've started putting up on my channel, a lot of it's like, you know, another sand dude, you know, with oil money buying more stuff. And it's like, you know, number one, I'm not Arab. Number two, I've only been here like for a short period of time. Number three, like I've, I've bought this through my own hard graft or whatever, you know. Um, and there's people out there that will always have, you know, they're yeah. on a bad day no matter. Exactly. You'll always find, exactly. You know what happened to me one night? I went for a walk on the street and one night, I, one day I'd made a video um, on the balcony out there and I made the video, it went up and somebody wrote, I bet you don't even live on the palm, you lie and <laughs> such and such, yeah. And a, a neighbour of mine, um, we, we go out for a walk at dusk. Once a week, we go out for a walk and catch up. She's a bit of a, 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 a YouTuber as well. So we go for a walk and there's this, this big guy walking towards us. And he walks towards us and he walks in between us and turns around. And he went, are you Spencer Lodge? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And I put my hand out, nice to meet you, thinking he'd recognise me. He went, I owe you an apology. Yeah. He said, I, I, wrote, left I wrote a really nasty wow. comment the other day. He said, and now the fact that you're walking up my street, <laughs> I need to take it back. I was drunk that's, and I should have done so. That's good. And when you get that, you're like, okay. But that, what, what that does for me is it reminds me that maybe some people are just having a bad moment, a bad of day, course. and you know, of course, you know yeah. and leave them be. Yeah. You know, if yeah. people are really nasty, you just delete it. Anyway, exactly. Don't you have to exactly. Worry about it. Yeah. Anyway. So I don't care what people think. I've got my social media growth. Okay. And I know no matter how hard I work. I know where uh, this is going. Yeah. <laughs> What's the answer? <laughs> What's the question? Well, the question is like, you know, why does one person have success and the other person doesn't based on the amount of content that they're putting out? I think, I mean, this is a really tough question because on one hand, look, number one, 
where I am on YouTube is, I mean, it's nothing. 100,000 subscribers is hundreds, if not thousands of YouTubers at that kind of level. So it's, yeah. not a, it's not a major milestone. It is a milestone for me, perhaps in this part of the world, because you don't get very many tech YouTubers um, or even English-speaking YouTubers that can consistently reach that target, mm-hmm. possibly. Um, but, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, it's really just a drop in the ocean, number one. Number two, I'm, I, I might have 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, but on Instagram, I struggle to hit 50,000, for example. Um, so I think it really depends, number one, on... Uh, I mean, the, the, the first thing is I think you have to be personable. I think you have to put out content that people really want to watch. The other thing is that when I started YouTube and where YouTube and actually social media is now, um, one of the big problems for newcomers or new starters is the fact that it's a lot harder now with this whole algorithm thing. Mm-hmm. Number one, nobody really knows what the algorithm is. Number they two, lot, they talk they? about it. And, and, and the I, algorithm's changed. The algorithm's changed. From what to what? Exactly. It's what is, changed. It's I just mean, changed. I'll <laughs> tell you something. The first time I remember go, uh, being exposed to this algorithm situation was uh, we had a, a private meeting. There was a couple of content creators in London at a YouTube event. And I remember a couple of people were asking about this algorithm thing. And the way they described it, it felt like something out of the Terminator. Because I felt like, I mean, I mean, nobody actually said this to me, but this is what I could ascertain based on the discussions with them, but also discussing this uh, with other content creators. It feels like they've built something and they just add on sort of add-ons or attachments, if you like. And it's almost like a system in itself. So it's very difficult for somebody to switch on or off now a a switch that will you know deactivate it or reactivate it and and it seems like you know a lot of social media platforms are doing exactly the same if you look at facebook in the past they had edge ranking for example Mm -hmm. if you knew the basics of edge ranking you could actually manipulate what people would see on their facebook feeds i mean this is going back 2008 9 or actually 2010 or 11 Mm -hmm. yeah around that sort of time um, now that's no longer possible. And Instagram is doing the same. That's why we've had this massive, you know, influencers sort of crying their eyes out, saying, oh my God, my life is over because the algorithm has changed. You know, I'm not getting views anymore, this, that, the other. So the difficulty in this is, number one, each platform is different and you have to create content for each platform. Mm-hmm. And I've tested this out. I mean, I, I'll openly say that I really don't know. I can't. say that I even have figured out YouTube because there'll be videos that I put up that would get millions of views and I might replicate everything from the point of the thumbnail to the hashtags to this to that, upload a similar video and it will hit 50,000 views. So... And, no, and 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 you and really you have no you idea. You, ha- you have no idea as to exactly why that's the case. And this is one of the downsides of social media. I mean, it's an incredibly hard burnout situation. And this is going back to the earlier question about, you know, when am I going to do this full time? This has also been one of the situations. It's scary when you can't control it, isn't it? And, yeah. and, and for me, that's one of the major, major factors as to why every time I get close to maybe should I take that jump? something holds me back and it's you know maybe it's an element of maturity maybe it's an element of i i I don't know maybe in 20 years time i might make it and i might say i wish i'd done it earlier on 
But at the moment, like what I'm seeing and one of the major issues of social media, I mean, across the board, but with content creators is just how much stress it induces because nobody really knows A, what they're doing is right or B, how it even works when it does work. You know, one video I put up, I'll give you an example. Um, the Huawei Mate X, it's my most viewed video. I put it up at the same time as Esquire magazine. I think there was Golf News or a few other brands as well. My video hit four point something million views. There's nothing extraordinary about my video at all. In fact, it's a shorter video than the rest of them. It's a less detailed video than the rest of them. Some of those other guys have barely hit 5,000 views with the same video. Don't know. No idea. You know, no idea. So, I mean, so let's say I came to you and I was uh -huh. a youngster and I, and I really wanted to get going I, 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 I don't know, as a family member or the, or the son of a family member, yeah. or something, someone close to you and you're like, him come, please, mate, come on, yeah. teach me, teach me what to do. Do you really know where to start or, or would you, would you <laughs> kind of like give them some basic generic information or, or, or are there any, I think any, there are any tricks? So there are some basics. Number one is that social media, whether you accept it or not, is, you know, as a platform, is an incredible platform that gives everybody an opportunity to at least be on the road to possibly making it, okay? There are a couple of factors that, I've, that I think sort of add up to my success, but also success that I've seen in other people. Number one, those individuals are themselves online. They're personable. That's first and foremost. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, in the recent, you know, last 12 months when I've been focusing, honing in on one channel, focusing uh, on the analytics, the numbers never lie. You know, you look at the numbers, you understand what's going on, you, you know, tweak it, you try this, you try that. One of the things that consistently comes up for me is the fact that perhaps people like me and perhaps they like what I offer within the tech scenario, particularly in this part of the world where we don't have very many people who look like me, look like a local with this British accent, talking about technology in a consistent fashion, so uploading regularly, but also in a way that, you know, adds value. So it's not just, oh, bling a box and it smells like this and it looks like that, but it's actually adding some <laughs> kind of, you know, some, some, some sort of, some sort of uh, depth to it, you know, so to speak. So I think you've got to be number one, personable. Number two, you've, you've got to find a niche. I think, a lot of people fall into the trap. And this is one of the reasons why I left vlogging because um, what I started to notice and I, I, you know, Gary Vee and there are a whole range of other really strong social media um, individuals who keep saying, find your niche. Because if you find your niche, you're more likely to succeed. At the moment, what we have is a lot of young people. And I've had this question raised to me by family members and other people who said, look, you know, I want to be famous. And I'm like, well, you, why do you want to be famous? For what? you know, taking your clothes off and, you know, making a fool out of yourself on social media, you can be famous for that if you're good looking or you have the right bits in the right places, you know. Um, but that's only going to get you so far. What I think is the long-term success is niching in on a sector, niching in on something that you're passionate about, but also offering enough value that people start trusting you within that category. So for example, I mean, you know, a lot of people will follow me on Instagram. Um, a lot of people will associate me automatically with tech. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I need a new phone. Who's that dude? You know, they're not going out there looking for me per se, 
but I'm consistently putting out that narrative. It's tech, it's lifestyle, it's reviews, it's this, it's that. So then people associate you to be associated with those subjects. So therefore, I'm going to get those DMs, say, Mquan, I want to spend 4,000, 3,000 dirhams on a new phone. What would you recommend? Here are my videos. What are your, you know, what are your requirements? X, Y, Z. Let's help you, you know, do it like that. So um, personable, number two, niche in. And then number three, consistency. Like you've just got to do it. You've got to be consistent and you've got to be consistent on each platform. What works for one platform will not work for another. Like I said, I've tried this before. I've tried literally ripping off my YouTube videos, putting them on IGTV. They don't get the views because it's not made for that. So then how, okay, that's really important to me. So then people will say, so what should the Instagram video be that's different to the YouTube video? And what Num should the Number one, it should be shorter, a hell of a lot shorter. So an Instagram video should be one minute typically? One minute, if if that. Yeah, one minute, if that. Uh, with IGTV now, you can push it up to about three to four minutes, but that's pushing it. Most people will not have that kind of long term. I, if, number one, IGTV, most people need to understand is, I mean, just uh, forget about you know what you think. Just look at how people, just observe how people use Instagram. I mean, if you're on the subway, you know, you're in a public place, it's literally flip double tap, flip, double tap. That's literally all you have. Um, and it's really cool because IGTV has those tools now that you can see what the view rate is, for example. Most people are not gonna view more than a minute on IGTV uh, unless they're really looking for something specific. That's where YouTube and they works. They browse longer form content on IGTV. Yeah. If it's something specific, they listen in. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, again, the numbers never lie. You know, If you're doing it consistently enough, you're the the numbers will tell you where you need to start sort of honing in. And number two, they will tell you specific for your audience as well. And this is the thing on YouTube, for example, I found that if I make shorter videos, let's say five minute videos, they actually don't perform as well as 10 minute videos. Right. And, and that makes sense on some levels, particularly for tech, because if I quickly unbox this and here's this and here's that and this, this, and that's it, there's your video in five minutes it's not going to gain the traction on YouTube because that's not right for YouTube. Whereas so if, I, if you take the, like, like this phone you've brought along today, this Samsung, which we'll talk about in a second, you would unbox it differently on IGTV, on IGTV yeah. as you would do on YouTube. So you do two completely separate videos where you, on IGTV, you're like, right, this is the phone and you bang through it quickly, exactly. punch it out. And then on YouTube, you're taking your time. Yeah. Do you drive people from your IGTV video to go and watch the full length stuff? For me, it's all about YouTube because I, as I said- Are you driving everyone always to YouTube? Always, okay. even TikTok. I mean, like, I mean, going from one extreme to the other extreme to the other extreme, TikTok literally is 10 seconds. Like it's, it's a boomerang. Hmm. And then in the comment section, want to see more? YouTube forward slash Omquan reviews. It might want be like that. Want to see more. It's as want to see as more. As I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that. Because most people aren't even going to read it. When was the last time there was a channel that came along that, that, that has had as much impact as, as um, TikTok has over recent time? When was the last know. time? I, I don't remember anything don't. that has come and gone. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, overnight, seeing people that I've been following for the last six months become superstars, you know? And it's really interesting because like, so on YouTube, majority of my viewership tends to be American. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, the do UK- Do something to do with the UK British accent? Of course it has. Of course it has. I went over to the Apple event. Yeah, I see. Um, uh, I think it was for the last one. And I remember I was uh, near the hotel and I went somewhere and, and I was, I think it was a pizza shop. 
and there were two ladies behind me and they were like, look, do you mind saying something on, you've got such a beautiful act, where are you from? <laughs> I said, I'm from Dubai. Do you Dubai. know the queen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, let me, you know, put up Queen Elizabeth Somebody told whatever. me when I was doing a roadshow over in the States, they said, we believe that if we hear something with a British accent, it has to be true. It has to be true. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's exactly what you know was said to me when I was in the US. So Imagine I think if we had bad intentions, you, get <laughs> <laughs> you will be mine. <laughs> so we can. I mean, it, so it's interesting. So on YouTube, that's the case. But then on TikTok, majority of the viewership tends to be from India. On TikTok. On TikTok. Okay, that's interesting. You know, and and it's it's really interesting because. I have no, I, I don't know why, why that's did, the case, yeah. but it's the case. So, so what I'm trying to do now is trying to understand the music that a lot of Indian TikTokers are using. Oh, and you're adding. I, I mean, I, am I into Bollywood music? Hell no. You know, I don't have See, I enough even time. See, I thought about that. I've been adding music and I'm, I'm thinking about music that I enjoy, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, but I mean, look, here's the thing about TikTok. All the videos that I've found that have done the best are the ones where when you're choosing your music, Go into, I mean, it's in Arabic here, so I, so I don't even know what it says, but I think it's the most listened to istikdam something. Yeah. So you click there and just choose the top three. Yeah, I don't really care. I'm, I mean, I'm not into uh, what is it, Cardi B singing, it's a vibe or whatever, you know. Like I, I just select that one, and and that has performed consistently better. So my greatest so, hits of the 1980s. Nobody wants to listen to that. <laughs> nobody wants to listen to that. You know. <laughs> So, so I mean, uh, it's like I'm who gonna is go that? Delete all my TikTok videos. Now. Start afresh and start, you know. And the kids will think you're cooler as well. And I, 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 you know, maybe that might work. That might work. You know, you might get a complete. I have a, I have a 17 year old and a 20 year old daughter, and the, the, you might the, gain a bit more respect with them. <laughs> That's cool, all of a sudden. <laughs> my, my youngest said to me, "Dad, please don't go on TikTok. Oh. That's, that's my place, Dad." Well, I remember when I told my wife that I got, went on TikTok, and she like looked at me. And she said, "Really, really? Do you think you're going to be appropriate around 13 year olds?" I was like, "Well, when they see what I do, I'm not dancing. You know, I'm just showing off the stuff that they aspire to, and it's great because." They aspire to that and then they when respond. You, well, you, you, I take someone like Gary Vee, for example, who's all over it at the moment. Yeah. And, and it, for me, I see, I see him, I don't know, that people can, but I'm going to crit- style they can like or yeah. dislike, but I see him as a bit of a thought leader uh, yeah. on, on trying stuff like that. And you know, it's like the whole texting. Have you seen, do you know Steve Bartlett? Like uh, social chain uh, yes in the UK right? yeah, yeah. And so yeah. He, they're doing very yeah. similar stuff and Steve's blown up of course uh, all proportions yeah. So. Yeah. so yeah so I mean TikTok is really interesting yeah it's interesting okay then uh, some more I want to ask you about technology just to summarize so like going back to the initial question that you asked because I'm sure like for the for the listeners and for the viewers number one personable yeah number two uh, niche in yeah and number three stay consistent because the consistency is what's going to drive your knowledge about what works and what doesn't work and then you learn adapt change it's just like business mm-hmm. i mean it really is um so i think those are the three things that would would really stand out um and and you've you know you've got to go into your niche even if it's to do with sales if it's to do with online marketing the rest of it find a way that you can be different it really is about being different a, in your execution in terms of how you present that, but also B, in what you're offering. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why Gary Vee is so successful because he, it's literally like giving away stuff for free mm-hmm. all the time, consistently, to everyone. Someone said to me the other day in New York, they said, 
Be careful that people don't think they can get all of the answers from your content that they then don't want to pay for something. Yeah. And I, and, and I hadn't thought, because I'd gone down the, the Gary Vee approach and I just give it, I'm giving it all away. I'm, I'm giving as much knowledge as I can. And I, I just, it stopped me in my tracks and made me think, hold on a minute. That might be a really good point. But then it's, it's, it's a complete opposite end of the spectrum to, to the point that Gary comes from. He says, I'm going to give you everything for free because I know 99% of you will do nothing with it. But I think there's another thing, which is that you'll start attracting the serious people as well. Because the people that are ready and are willing to pay will be like, mm -hmm. hey, Spence, you know what? I want to pay you for an hour of your time mm -hmm. for this specific thing. So I, I, I can see Gary's a wisdom in that. Yeah, because, mm. yeah. Okay, good, good, good information. Thank you for that. Um, what's your favorite telephone brand? Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> I have multiple favorite telephone brands. Who do, who do you think, when, when you look at what's going on out there, who do you, who do you think is um, super cool and is, is, is continuing to be innovative? Because we, we know, well, I guess that Samsung's more popular globally than iPhone. Um, it's because they've made more sales than iPhone globally. Yeah. But when it comes to iPhone, there are, there are diehard iPhone users. So my situation is really weird because most people think that I would, you know, use one phone. But I actually, I mean, I use iOS and Android. Uh, I actually even have a BlackBerry as well, believe it or not. Not running the old, but it's running the newer sort of Android for BlackBerry thing. So I use multiple phones. I mean, the two phones that I bought, I mean, this is my weekend, so this is my time off. It's an iPhone 11 Pro Max um, and a Samsung Galaxy Fold. I actually have another one that I decided not to bring, which is um, a OnePlus 7T. Um, so, so for me, what I find is there are good elements of each of the manufacturers and each of the platforms. But this thing between Android and iOS is insane. Like, it's, it's incredible. Again, the, the hate. The hate. Love. The hate and the love. And it's, it's great because I, I can feed off that. Because are you team Android, team iPhone? Comment in the comment section down below. Great way to blow it up. You know, engagement goes up. YouTube's like, oh, well, okay. This is one of those viewed videos. So, it, you know, so you can play with that sort of idea, that concept. Look, I think at the moment where consumers are, it's really interesting because that question that you asked me, who's doing more innovatively? I think consumers don't really care about that. Consumers care about some basic standards. Most consumers aren't worried about the thinnest phone. They just want great battery life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, and this is a really tough thing because at the moment, what I've been doing over the last you know, 12 months or so is I've been seeing a lot of smartphone manufacturers. Uh, we've peaked. So every year people will say to me, should I, buy the, should I buy X new phone? Should I buy the new iPhone, for example, or the new Samsung Galaxy, whatever it's going to be? And I'll be like, look, you know, I mean we've reached a point at which it's very difficult to go any further. What else do you want? You wanted a folding? Did you really want a folding phone? Really? It's a gimmick. I mean, on one hand, I, I, I the other day, had it in his hand and he said, hold it in your hand. I heard it many. He goes, oh, his is different. His has got like a carbon feel. Yeah. So it's really grippy. Yeah. And the thing for him was it's grippy. He said, oh, yeah, but watch what you do when you open up. Yeah. Da, da, da. And I'm like, do you know what? I mean, like, look, I, sure. I have to commend Samsung for this. I have to commend Huawei for what they've done with the folding phones. But the, the difficulty is at the moment, I mean, consumers are really weird because consumers want better quality with certain aspects of their smartphones. But when a new phone is launched, they're like they're expecting it to kind of cook your food for you, clean your dishes, you know, 
which is just impossible for manufacturers to do. And we're using phones for the same things over and over. You know, my camera on my my Note 8 and my camera on my Note 10, I know they're different, but I can't see it. So so it still makes videos. Um, it, it has an Instagram function, which I didn't have before, so I didn't really didn't really <laughs> you didn't really notice, you know? yeah, so, or so benefit it, it from. It wasn't a real benefit to having it, and it's just okay. So I like Samsung, and I'm stuck in that place. That's because um, no one's ever taken the time to show me something that's better. But like, if there's something better relating to me, and you talk about battery life, hell yeah. Look, I mean, and this is the thing. I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Check this out. This is the iPhone 11 Pro Max. I haven't taken this off the charge today uh, at around 8.30 this morning. Yeah. Look at that battery. 71%, yeah. This is one of the killer features of the brand new iPhone. This thing is insane with the battery life. A lot of people aren't talking about it. I've got a review that I'm going to put up, but I think this is, this is what we wanted. It's slightly thicker and it has much, much better battery life. This thing is insane. I don't Do need know, a battery pack for it. This came, and this is the stuff that really matters. Would you know that you're holding this phone with a cover on? Yeah. It came with a cover. Yeah. It came with this type of cover, which for me is the kind of cover I want in the box. Yeah. Whereas before the phone would come and it'd be this fancy little thing and I'd have to go then trample out there and find someone that had a cover yeah. that I liked or that felt right. Yeah. And so, isn't it funny? Battery life, the cover. Those are the things, you know, the screen, the camera being, you know, not necessarily better camera, but being just easier to use so for example yeah. low light a lot of consumers have been asking for better low light cameras and this year a lot of the manufacturers are delivering the iphone again for low light is incredible huawei has been doing that samsung have been doing that as well i mean these so, are the so things why that really do they matter then do things to piss people off because about the no headphone jack and other stuff i mean, I mean I don't actually <laughs> like bluetooth headphones yeah. and also the samsung ones don't stay in my ears it's the just iPhone like the ones, airpod it? ones yeah. yeah so but so i prefer just to have a Jack in there. How, I mean, how else are they going to make more money? It's as simple as that. It's it's about making more money because the the smartphones are plateaued. You're less likely to buy one every year like we used to do, let's say, five to ten years ago. So you have to make more money on peripherals, cases, for example, uh, Bluetooth headsets. Now everybody's doing it. Remember when Samsung took the Mickey out of Apple? Do you remember when they when they, they, they even had ads about? The, uh, you know, oh, you need a dongle, double, double dongle, you know, that kind of thing. They did exactly the same with the new smartphones. They, they're, you need, you know, Bluetooth wireless headsets. So it's, it's just a way of making money. The real area where smartphones are incredible now is actually not in the flagship, not the expensive ones, but in the mid-range smartphone sector. Because that's where a lot of manufacturers are really pushing the boundaries. So you're getting cheaper phones overall with incredible specs. Like the OnePlus 7T. I mean, this is a 1,500 dirham phone. And it offers a triple camera, ultra-wide, you know, normal camera, sort of even low-light photography on that is great. A 90 hertz display. This is me getting techy and geeky now. <laughs> but it's basically a better display. Um, you know, fast I bet, charging. I bet most people would be just fine with a mid-range phone. It would do for, it would do for most people everything they needed to do. Exactly. And this this is the reason why I mean uh, I, I in the past I never covered mid-range phones because I was kind of like always aiming for the higher range phones and I realized that I needed to do that because a that's where a lot of the viewers are coming now from India, from Philippines, from Pakistan, from emerging markets so to speak. But also that's where the that's where most of the fun is happening. Imagine a 700 
pound phone. Actually, not even 700. It's like 350 pounds. Yeah. So it's like 1,400, 1,000. Some of these phones, I mean, I've got a phone that's just come in. It's a, a Redmi Note 8 Pro. This is a below 1,000 dirham phone. This thing is insane. Like, it's, it's an incredible phone. It's, it offers so much. Um, so there's a lot happening on that sort of level, you know. So they came out with these crazy glasses, Google Glass, a few years ago, yeah. and Snapchat came out with some glasses Snap as glasses, well. Yeah. And 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 I and I I think that like the shape and the size, there's not much more you can do with it. You've obviously seen tech that's that we've all seen that's on the hand and whatnot. What what what? If you were to look forward into the future and say what's coming that's going to work or what's coming that you think excites you, mm-hmm. is there anything that does excite you that's coming? Or do you think that plateau is for you as well with phones? I think a lot of that has changed. I think the only thing that for me, and this is the initial stage now, is what phones in terms of like foldable phones, what that's opened up for manufacturers. Because a foldable phones, I think once you've used them, uh, at the moment, they're not worth the price. I mean, this is an, basically, this is a flex machine. You know, if I want to go out and really want to show people I've got made, made of money, instead of pulling out the black card, I can pull this out. And that gets just the same amount of street cred. But what companies like Samsung, and I think they should be commended for this, what Samsung and Huawei are doing is that they're experimenting with a different form factor. And I think we haven't got to the stage where this is going to be the future, but it's something similar to this. This technology might be the thing that will make people say, wow, that might be the iPhone moment, you know, that move from clicking buttons to touching the screen. So the, I think... The, the move from phone to, to removing iPad Pros and to be... Because to, that can replace it. Possibly. I mean, yeah, I mean, in this, in this case scenario, and, I mean, there's your laptops. phone. Boom, I need an iPad. You yeah. know, something like that. Or even something else that's foldable on a, on a wrist format or something like that. I think the thing is... Um, the major tech changes are going to happen with the day-to-day use. So if you think about it, um, you know, audio, for example, perhaps improving elements of that. I think, again, as consumers, we're expecting some really weird, wacky thing to happen in the future that's going to make us go, OMG, but that's not going to happen. I think it's going to be the small incremental things that will make an impact in our day-to-day, which is going to be more fundamental in terms of how our lives will change when it comes to tech than, you know, folding phones and this and that. So, yeah. Have you enjoyed talking to me? I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah? I have, yeah. You didn't say that with much conviction. No, no, I was just, I was like, I was like oh, is this over now? <laughs> like, it's like, it's over. <laughs> we, I'm sure, yeah. One, one, a couple of last questions before we yeah. finish. Um, where do you get your inspiration from? Ooh. Well, I get my inspiration from wanting to succeed and prove people wrong. Who do you want to prove wrong? I want to prove uh, within the tech thing at the moment. So I, I wonder how this is going to come out. Um, like over the last couple of months, there's been this massive hate on influencers yeah. that we've seen on Twitter and other platforms by predominantly people who, I don't know, like they do this thing as a nine to five, but they don't get anywhere near the same traction as other people who do it as a hobby who juggle everything else. Uh-huh. So I think in the last 12 months, I'm not going to say it was my main kind of motivator, but it, it's been great to prove people wrong. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I hate this because I don't, it's kind of, I, I don't like what we've done with social media. 
where people respect you immediately because you're verified. I'll tell you what, and I'd love to do a social experiment at some point. I might do that in the future. But when I got verified on Instagram, like it was insane. I mean, I don't have very many followers. Like I said, it's about 45,000. But getting that blue tick, I've had other, let's say, B-listers, C-listers, like slide into my DM. Like, who are you? Like, why'd you get verified? I've been to events where... You know, people have been like, who, like, you're not on the list. Mquan, you know, this is my thing. They see the blue tick. They, they react to you in a completely different way. I've had friends introduce me to other friends and say he's verified. And it's kind of weird because it's a horrible, I mean, I don't want to be judged on that because I don't think it's fair to judge people like that. You should be judged on the fact that, you know, so-and-so has achieved X, Y, Z. Not a blue tick or not, you know, that you're popular on social media. But for me... I think one of the things that a lot of content creators don't do or perhaps do in the wrong way is that they don't show the amount of grind and hustle that goes into this. We started off and you said that, you know, it's taken a year to do this. I mean, like right now I could be with the family, right? I've done a whole day with the family. Um, I have a nine to five. I have other businesses that I actually run and, you know, have fingers in that pie. I have a young family. I've got two kids. I normally put them to sleep. I'm not putting them to sleep today. I've got tons of videos to edit. And you get a journalist or you get someone who feels that you're a threat, comes in and completely just, you know, whitewashes you and says, oh, you know, you're just, you're fake basically, you know. Like, who are you? Like, are you even a real journalist? That sort of thing. So it's great to prove those people wrong. It's great to to kind of show people um, that, you know, hard graft produces results. Um, so I think that's, for me, that's been a big factor. I like winning as well, but like, I don't like, I don't like gloating about it, even though it's going to sound like, you know, I was <laughs> blowing his trumpet. But I, I mean, I think a lot of content creators need to get real about this. They need to get real about the fact, and influencers as well, they need to, A, take what they're doing, even if it's part-time, much more professionally in everything that they do. If I turned up at 9 o'clock instead of 7.30 when I told you today, mm-hmm. that wouldn't reflect well on me and you mm-hmm. would see me as just, you know, another influencer, right? I wouldn't have interviewed you. You wouldn't have. I know. Yeah. I know. I mean, I respect you because, you know, you come from a business background. I come from a professional and business background, so I know... I've got an expensive watch on my wrist. You know, if I can't keep the time, then what the hell, you know? <laughs> so so there's that element of it as well. And I think more content creators, A, need to be more professional, but also B, they need to highlight more of the, the graph that goes into this because a lot of people assume, you know, why are they famous? Why are they, why, why have they made it? Why have they, you know, I can do that. Well, prove it. Put in the X amount of hours that, you know, that is required to get to that level. In some cases, people do get incredibly lucky very quickly, but I don't think they can keep that longevity of it. But those people that consistently put it into it, and this is one of the reasons why I love it. I'm a sucker for this kind of pain. And I've learned as, again, other people have said that you don't, you know, love the journey. I uh, don't love the end result, love the journey, you know? Okay. 100,000 is nothing. It's exactly. Journey, yeah. And, and it, it really helps build confidence and it helps you understand that there are no shortcuts. 100,000 subscribers for me has been a massive, you know, mm. sort of milestone. But it's nothing compared to a million. So I've gained respect for those people that have got a million subscribers, let's yeah, say. Within, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one last question. Um, who should follow you? 
everyone should follow me because uh, <laughs> let's be honest i mean technology is a massive part of it i mean yeah, and this is in everyone everyone's hands so i get that but yeah. but my mum who's uh, my dad who retired in cyprus and my dad um oh, i can't even believe i'm saying this out loud <laughs> my dad uses his blackberry to play snake on the toilet <laughs> <laughs> and my mum has to steal oh it from God. him <laughs> and wipe it down he doesn't spend time in the bathroom <laughs> that's crazy um, but we all do that I mean let's be honest I mean I'm sure you check I your, don't play snake you don't play snake but you, 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 I'm sure you get rid of you know all the flagged emails that you do, do you not take your phone into the bathroom of course I do yeah of course I I thought I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you really? Yeah. Of course. No, actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, 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 people that are interested in understanding tech relating to phones, tech relating to the future of phones. Yeah, I mean, my my channel really covers on technology and lifestyle as a whole. So, if you're into sort of understanding what's happening, the latest phones, the latest. I mean, it's not even only around phones. I mean, I've covered recently from the Jitex 5G and how that's going to really impact mm. health, how you're going to you know consume media, the rest of it. Um, so anybody that's into sort of technology, into lifestyle as well, we haven't even covered the watches, for example. Mm. Uh, and anybody that thinks that, you know, I might be interesting to kind of a couple of minutes of their day to watch on a regular basis, then I think they'll enjoy the content that I'm putting out. Yeah. Would you do me a big favor mm-hmm. and within the next 12 months, take some time. I don't mind coming to Abu Dhabi, but come on the show again and of let's course. do one just about watches. Let's do that. That's- and actually, let's do another thing as well. I mean, it would be great to talk about the impact of social media as well. Because I think uh, that was something that we discussed over the phone as well. Because yeah. I think, um, I mean, like, you know, that's another whole kettle of fish. But like, yeah, just trying to understand it and live with it as well. You know, yeah. Well, thank we'll you that. so much for coming on the show. Thank How you. do people get hold of you? What's your YouTube channel called? Find me on YouTube. Just Google me. Um, just find me on, on, on YouTube or put, put it into Google M Kwan and it will show up everywhere that I'm at. So E M K W A N. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you. I really enjoy it. Thank you very much. I'm glad we finally made this happen. Yeah, long time, long time. Thank you very much. So there you have it. What a great podcast. It was a long, long, long time coming. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to this chap. M. Kwan really is a gentleman and he's got some really, really great snippets if you listen through to this uh, wonderful episode. So much that I've picked up and I've learned and I used myself as the guinea pig tonight rather than you guys just to to really kind of highlight the fact that I'm learning the process as well and to see a guy with over 100,000 followers and the steps that he's taken has really been valuable. Okay. We'll see you soon.